Hello, this is episode 234 of the Purple Psychology Podcast of Dr. Nisha Buddy. This podcast is on the idea, I can't teach a class of 30 people differently. I'm like, why not? So let's talk this out. This is another podcast I've needed to take a few weeks to digest and present alternatives rather than a rant. I've seen many comments, a lot of them on teachers' forums recently. So there's this animal cartoon that does the rounds every so often and there's a bunch of animals queued up, I think there's a, a fish, a giraffe, a monkey, um, possibly a cheetah, I think. And it's this idea that if we judged and examined everybody in the same way, that the animals would not be able to compete because the goldfish is not going to climb the tree behind and the giraffe isn't either, that we might manage to, you know, give somebody a leg up, and so obviously only the monkey and the cheetah are going to pass that task. And yet I don't want to see more people tested at a younger age, and boxed and streamed, because the testing makes the assumption of the lack of expectation in their ability. But I similarly don't want you to assume that everyone learns the same way. And for you to endlessly continue doing something the same way, out of habit, of generations. And so going back to the previous podcast on why the book on difference set everyone off so much. The only reason we don't have inclusive education is because we don't want to be different or we don't want to promote difference. And until we want difference, we will always have the limitations that we have. Until the world has developed a core of individuality in each soul, we will always keep repeating these patterns. And this is why I develop people's core and don't just teach literacy. I was first failed in education at the age of four with the alphabet in Montessori school. It's thought using these sandpaper letters. And though there's an idea that the texture of the letters, which is a very kinesthetic concept, will help you to learn them. For me, all I needed was for someone to allow me to make the letters and to use a stencil to see how the parts of the letters are formed and the difference between the big letters and the small letters and to use a colour-coded scheme to help me to do that and to not just focus on the sounds of the individual letters because I don't hear it the same way as everybody else. The letters often sound the same. I can't tell the difference between C's and K's and so on. I needed to focus on the sounds of whole small words. And so all reading challenges ultimately come down to how we present people, the material. All people who struggle how to read work in a three-dimensional world rather than a two-dimensional one on the flat page. And so when I hear an idea that, you know, I can't do this with 30 people, the first thing is that you have to assume that you've got 30 different people in the room. There are just a series of subtle changes that you need to make for all 30 people to feel comfortable. One of them is not assuming two-dimensional presentation to teach ideas. Another one is our use of time, because all people who struggle with literacy struggle for very fundamental reasons to concentrate beyond 20-minute blocks. There needs to be some action and movement. It's amazing 
how empowering it is to be allowed to stand up and get the tools for a task. I always do this in every workshop I, would, I, I organize in person. I always put a table of contents of what people need at the back of the room. And in the school, we had a storage unit out in the hall and the students were allowed to go and collect the various items that they needed. You need to allow voice. The only reason you don't want to hear voice is because you want to be in control and have power. And you can digest that bit. But there are many, many students who need to be able to talk. And if they do step out of line and make disrespectful comments, it's an opportunity for you to step in and give a different type of lesson on respect. And in the same way, small groups and role play work fantastically. And there are examples of using this on my homework club site, using the concepts of shuffling around and using speed dating for maths, for example. There needs to be no competition. We're not learning to validate for weekly tests. It's an illusion that we learn better with assessment. Everyone does better when the pressure is removed. I think one of the most classic examples of this is the idea that in maths we must arrive at the answer a set way. It doesn't matter how someone arrives at the answer. It only matters that they understand that it's the right answer and they understand how they've arrived at it. And if you want a job with any top tech company or innovation company in the world, you will have to unlearn all of the bad habits you've formed over 14 years and only arriving at the answer a set way and only focusing on getting the right answer. You will never be able to critically think or problem solve. And that's a lot to unlearn. We need to not judge you if you can't read out loud or off the board or you can't repeat spellings or find your place on the page in the book or copy the instructions from the board. I'm always reminded of Professor Snape in Harry Potter who puts his potion ingredients and instructions on the board and every week Harry and Neville completely mess up making the potion. It's so simple that if the instructions weren't on the board but written on the table closer to you in different colours and laid out in a different way and presented without the assumption of them being easy to follow, that everybody would be able to make the potion in the room. So to recap on those, presentation, timing, action, allowing voices, particularly in group work, and not studying or learning to be validated, not focusing on only one way to arrive at the right answer. If you change those in the room, you are now accommodating all 30 people.